Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Prayer is mystery. It's not magic. Prayer is mystery. It's not magic. This morning we're beginning a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer and we're going to be slowing down to walk slowly through the beauty and depth and subtlety of these words perhaps we've said over and over and over again for years or maybe we're just beginning to learn to say and my prayer my prayer is that the mystery of these words might become more transparent to you and to me might help us to open more fully to who God is and to how God is calling us, might help us to connect more deeply to one another and to God's call on all the world, might help us to be transformed. Prayer is mystery. It's not magic. Prayer is mystery in so many ways, and I believe this: the Lord's Prayer is mystery. I'm leaning a little bit on the, the definition of mystery from Father Richard Rohr, who says that mystery is not the unknowable, that mystery is the endlessly knowable. Something you can return to and learn again, something you can return to and know in a different way, something you can return to and find a new meaning, a new dimension, and the Lord's Prayer is a mystery. It's a mystery, and it's a mystery you're invited to walk into, to step into, in order to experience the mystery and the beauty and the grandeur and the goodness of God. As I was reading some commentary material about the Lord's Prayer, I stumbled upon this this beautiful insight from one scholar who says that, you know, a lot of the words of Jesus are dissected and debated and disputed, uh, specifically because it was some 30 or 40 years before the first words of Jesus were put into uh, the gospel accounts, and we don't have the first gospel accounts. We've got later edits and copies of those, and so scholars try to reconstruct just exactly what Jesus might have said and ways that the people who remembered remembered his words and recorded his words and presented his words. What did they, you know, how do they agree? How do they disagree? Like, there's lots of analysis on the words and the teaching and the life and the stories of Jesus. And I love what this commentator said. The Lord's Prayer is something that almost everyone agrees on, stretches back to the historical Jesus, words that he would have said. And in these words, we can hear the voice of Jesus. With all the debate and the dispute, the difficulty of understanding, the complexity of the teaching and the words of Jesus, I want to invite you to hear in these words the very voice of Jesus, the mystery of God's love in Jesus Christ, the heart of God in Jesus Christ, the voice of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. If you're familiar with Matthew's gospel, you know that Matthew's chapter 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, a place where Jesus sits down with his disciples and begins to teach. And likely it's not just his earliest followers, earliest disciples who are listening in. It's also the crowds that are nearby that go up this mountain and want to hear what Jesus has to say. And then it's you and me and it's generations of disciples following that earliest church who are listening in as Jesus teaches us, offers us the Beatitudes 
offers us these beautiful, beautiful sayings. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you, teaches on anger and loving your enemies. And then at the very center of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching on prayer. And at the very center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount is the Lord's Prayer. If you want to know the heart of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to know the heart of Jesus' teaching, then we have to get familiar with and take to heart the Lord's Prayer. So let's read together Matthew chapter 6, reading verses 5 through 14. And Jesus teaches, And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Prayer is mystery. It's not magic. Prayer is mystery. It's not magic. And perhaps Jesus knows this. Which is why before he gives us the words of the Lord's Prayer, but before he gives us this beautiful prayer that generations and generations of Christians have returned to in worship settings and in personal prayer, before giving us these words, Jesus takes some time to preach, to teach. And he does so in ways that connect to other parts of the Sermon on the Mount about not being a show-off. Jesus says to religious leaders, so this is, Jesus telling Pastor Michael and other pastors and other religiously inclined people, hey, don't pray in such a way that it's all about you, that it's about elevating yourself. No, prayer is about elevating God. And the beautiful thing that happens when we turn our attention and elevate God is that everyone else is elevated too. But when we elevate ourselves in prayer, well, that usually comes at the expense of others. And I kind of know that from personal experience. I have a confession this morning. I got in a prayer war. You've heard of maybe prayer warriors, people who pray all the time, pray for everything there. Well, I, I got in a prayer war, and I'm sad to say it, but it happened. I was in divinity school. I was learning lots of interesting, fantastic, complicated, complex theological ideas and theological words. And I came back for a wedding, and I was a groomsman, and the groom asked for his groomsman to pray before his wedding. And so the groomsmen circled up around the groom to begin praying for him. And I was standing next to someone I had been to college with who was in a college ministry with me. And he started praying and I could 
begin to sense that this prayer was about how awesome his religious life and devotion and intimacy was with God. And he began to use some language that made me feel like this was all about him. And so I said, oh no, I'm gonna put this guy in his place with my prayer. It's on. And so when it got back around to me, I began to use some of my theological training to lift up these ridiculous words I can't even remember right now, let alone know how to pronounce. And I began showing off my own religious game in this prayer. And I have never felt so yucky and disgusting in my life when I was done praying. Because in that moment, it wasn't about God. And it wasn't about blessing this person. It was about me. And whatever I thought I sensed in this other person, and maybe it was about this other person too, but regardless, I couldn't let it go and I felt gross because it mattered more what I said and how I said it and how I sounded and how other people thought of me and how this person might put himself in his place than about God and about the person we were praying over. Just because we're praying doesn't mean it's good. Prayer is like any human activity, like any human words. It can be warped and distorted and weaponized. Just because it's prayer doesn't mean that it's holy or righteous or good. Like so much of the church, it can be warped and distorted and weaponized too. And Jesus knew this which is why Jesus wanted to remind his disciples who would one day be standing in front of congregations as leaders, religious leaders, who right then and there were people of religious influence. Hey, remember, this isn't about you. This is about God. And insofar as God is lifted up, everyone else can be lifted up too. And then Jesus reminds the people who are listening there and reminds us that prayer isn't magic. Why, why do you think, why do people think that simply because they say certain words or so many words that suddenly that gets God's attention and now God will do your bidding. God will do whatever it is you want. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. This isn't about getting God's attention. God already knows what you want and God already is paying attention to you. You don't have to say a magic formula, say magic words in order for God to start paying attention to you and only then do what you want. In fact, it's not about getting what you want. It's about turning your attention to the one who's always watching and listening and loving and letting the act of turning your attention to God transform you and transform the community that is in prayer. Prayer isn't magic because we don't always get what we want. Which isn't to say we shouldn't turn to God and and, and share our hearts with God and say, God, here's what I need, here's what I want, here's what I'd like for you to do. But it's also not true that just because we say that and just because our prayers aren't answered that somehow God's not listening, God's not there, and prayer doesn't work. That's maybe not how prayer works. But something can happen for us in honestly expressing our desires, our hopes, our fears, our needs. But prayer isn't magic, it is mystery because in the mystery of prayer, something happens in us and with us and through us. So why pray? The title of this message this morning is Why why Pray? If pray is not 
If prayer is not learning the magic incantation that gets the spell done that you want, why, why pray? Well, I want to answer that question first or begin to answer that question first before we then in the, in the following weeks st- uh, walk slowly through the words of the Lord's Prayer. And I'm leaning a little bit here on um, some reasons for prayer that uh, biblical scholar and um, helpful guide, uh, Dr. Amy Jill Levine, lifted up for me and some of the men in men's Bible study last spring as we were reading through and studying the Sermon on the Mount. She says there are at least, there are more, but there are at least five reasons for prayer. She says, importantly, what is, prayer is about honestly expressing yourself. Patrick Messer last week preached a beautiful and wonderful and incredible sermon. A sermon in which uh, from the book of Lamentations we see that God is big enough and faith is big enough to handle the difficulty, the darkness, the distress, the despair, the sense of defeat that generations of people have experienced and felt and freely shared with God. Prayer is about honestly putting ourselves before God in whatever it is that we're going through, in joy, in yearning, in sorrow, in grief, in heartache. Because something happens when we're finally able to name that, to get that out in front of it, whether that's in prayer privately or in connection with others in a communal prayer. When something happens when we're finally able to name that, we can then do something with it or maybe let God do something with it. Prayer is about what's true including about what's true with me and with you. Prayer is about communication. I'm not convinced that God wants us to simply be a people of belief who live in our heads and walk around thinking we believe the right things all the time. I think God wants and desires a relationship with us and relationship as we know, as so many of us know, as we've experienced in so many ways, you can't have a relationship without communication. What good would it say to, you know, I believe in God, but we never talk. I believe in my wife, but we never talk. I believe in my kids, we never talk. I love some of the memes that I've seen on social media. I mean, they're funny. They're talking about those, you know, friendships and relationships you have where you don't talk to somebody or very, for 10 years or maybe you only talk once every three months and as soon as you come back together, you can just reconnect and have these meaningful and deep conversations like, like nothing had ever stopped in those intervening months or years. The problem is, is that to have that kind of relationship, there was probably a period of time before those 10 years, before those three months when deep conversations, regular conversations, connection and communication happened regularly. You can't be in relationship if there's not a bedrock, a foundation of communication. And prayer is what the church, the tradition, our faith calls communicating with God. So prayer is about being honest. It's about communicating with God. It's about connection. Connection to our past We have a past that has been handed down and shared with us. Generations, think about this. Generations of people have shared some of the words that we share together, not just in scripture, but in prayers. When we pray the Lord's Prayer in worship together, we are saying the same words as other Christians and other people of faith across the world and in the past. It connects us to a larger community, both now and in the past and in beautiful ways into the future. And it connects us with people who are sharing 
in that prayer with us in that moment. You know, Jesus in his teaching on um, uh, don't be like the hypocrites who, who have complicated words and kind of seem boastful in their prayers in the synagogue and on the street corners. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't have communal and collective prayer. Jesus isn't saying the synagogue is a bad place, that coming together for worship and praying together is a bad thing. Jesus isn't saying the only time you should be praying is in a closet or more literally in a shed somewhere. No, that's that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that whenever you pray, it matters how you pray and who you're turning your attention toward. Because something beautiful can still happen when we turn our attention to God together. Not only do we have a point of connection to other people who are there with us in prayer, not only do we have a point of connection to people in the past and in the future and outside our particular community who are sharing these words, we also can discern and learn in collective and communal prayer. We can learn that other people are showing up in this moment to this prayer feeling something different than us, going through something different than us. You know, I talked to a few uh, Ohio State Buckeye fans recently. Jack McAllister, Nikki Garland. I know there's some more of you out there. I, I've told people as an Oregon Ducks fan this weekend, I was going to have to walk very diplomatically and carefully and collectively, but here goes nothing. I know that some of you all are mourning a deep loss, and today I have an ecstatic amount of joy. Honestly, I thought the... Ducks were going to lose, I'll be honest. I told my father-in-law that. But nevertheless, I know that, that, that that's a trivial example. I know there are people today who are excited about the week ahead, who cannot wait for Monday to take place. And I know there are people who are dreading the week ahead. I know there are people here who are going through grief and heartache and mourning. And I know there are people here who are at the top of the world. We come to this moment together. And the thing about prayer is it makes space for all of us to be whoever we are together with whatever we're going through. And importantly, to grow our awareness that other people are experiencing things differently than you and me. In my moment of joy, whatever joy I'm experiencing, to know there are other people here who are experiencing grief and heartache. Prayer opens up pathways of empathy in our connection. Prayer also is a way that we go about discernment. Prayer slows us down. It slows us down so we can see the miracle of life, perhaps the miracle of our own breath. Have you ever pause to think about how beautiful it is that we can take oxygen out of the air, absorb it in our bodies, put it into our blood and send it all throughout our bodies to give us energy to laugh and smile and serve and love and forgive and heal and mourn and grieve and cry and weep and connect and try again. How often do we breathe and not think about it? Well, that's probably a good thing. I think our bodies are wired that way. And yet when we pause, when we pause to think about it, breathing itself becomes this beautiful, rich, deep miracle of life itself. And prayer, like breathing, invites us to slow down and see the beauty of the right now 
of God with us, of who we are. And when we have to make a big decision, when we have to make a big life decision, prayer creates the space for us to discern what matters most so that perhaps we can find the courage to do what we need to do or perhaps we can finally gain the clarity to know what it is that is our best next step. Now, Dr. Amy Jill Levine offers up these and says, you know, these aren't the only reasons we pray, but those are beautiful reasons to pray. There are probably more, and I can think of another. One that I experienced recently in the death of my grandmother is that sometimes it's hard to find the words to pray. We know we want to pray. We know this moment deserves prayer, but we don't know what to pray. And as if Jesus knew that this was going to be our predicament and our plight, Jesus says, here, I want to give you these words to lean on and to pray. My family knows that I'm a pastor. And so my family turned to me in some of those last conversations with my grandmother who contracted COVID-19 and was on her, in her last days, last breaths, and said, Michael, will you pray? And I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to pray. I mustered together a few words, but before doing so, I said, hey, can we just pray the Lord's Prayer together and use whatever words you want? I don't remember what I said, but I remember the Lord's Prayer. As family from Idaho and Pennsylvania... Oregon, Kentucky was through phone call and FaceTime and people who were there looking through a window sharing these words with my grandmother for the very last time. All of us together, these holy words. When I didn't have words, but I had the Lord's Prayer. Prayer can carry us. It can be the words we need when we don't have words. It can be the hope we have when we don't have hope. It can be the love we need and the love with the world needs when we don't have any love. The Lord's Prayer can carry us. The very voice of Jesus gifting us these words. This weekend was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, of the day that the planes flew into the Twin Towers and into the Pentagon, and one other plane, Flight 93, that was perhaps headed for the White House or the U.S. Capitol. I was reading the transcript from a call between, I believe his name was Todd Beamer. And the person who received his call and an FBI agent. It was a heartbreaking and heartrending conversation in which he was asking the people who were listening to him to please tell my, tell my family that I love them deeply. He reported back that he and some of the other passengers were not going to be a pawn in this in this scheme that would result in devastation and death, that instead they were going to do something about it, and they had a plan. And before hanging up, asked, would you pray with me? And turned to some beautiful and holy words from Psalm 23, and yes, the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps in a moment where he knew what he had to do and didn't want to do it, and looked for the courage to do what would be the hard thing to do in that moment, the devastating, the tragic thing to do in that moment. And I must confess that reading the transcript of these words that I've said over and over and over again, I had to weep. 
These are words that can carry us. Words that are mystery because they mean far more than we realize or can ever finally know. These are words that Jesus himself gives to the church and gives to you and gives to me that they might carry us. So as we step into these words over the next few weeks, I want to invite you into the mystery of God and into the mystery of these words that they might open your soul to pray in new ways, to recommit yourself to a life of prayer, of connection with God, and to know that it is okay when you don't got the words because Jesus has some for you. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message. 